and welcome to episode 45 of Our in the Saints, your podcast dedicated to the most frustrating team on planet Earth, Southampton Football Club. This evening, I'm joined by Tom and Jack for what I hope will be a cathartic exercise. We are chatting a couple of hours after a horror show at Ellen Road where Saints lost 3-0 to Leeds United. Before we get into it, let me welcome you lads in. Tom, first, uh, second appearance on a pod, second defeat. Are you cursed? Possibly, yeah. But thanks for having me back. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Uh, Jack, you were manning the Twitter account tonight. Um, and I think it was all getting a bit much, wasn't it? Just no enjoyment, Pat. No enjoyment on the pitch. No enjoyment on Twitter. Everyone was meltdown. And yeah, it was just literally falling out of love with the game. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Watching Southampton at the moment, I've, I'm really questioning why I like football. Two big thumbs up to that then. Ready to crack on with the pod? <laughs> yeah, let's <Yep>. do it. <laughs> let's discuss it then. Seven defeats from eight Premier League games, at least three goals conceded in a match for the eighth time this season. If 2020 was a really positive year for Saints, 2021 has been a disaster. Four wins, three of them in the FA Cup, one draw and seven defeats. Goalless at halftime on Tuesday night. We created the better opportunities, I think. Vestergaard going close when he really should have done better with an early header. The penalty overturned, which we'll come to. And of course, another refereeing decision going against us. Shea Adams' goal, bizarrely ruled out by Andre Mariner. We'll come to that as well. Things not really going our way at the moment. And to nobody's surprise, we collapsed in the second half as a result, con- conceding three. After the game, Ralph said we gave up. And uh, that's the sorry truth, really, as hard as it is to hear that. And it must be difficult for him to admit that because it it reflects really badly on him as a manager for his players to give up in the second half. It's the truth. They absolutely gave up and Leeds ultimately could have had four or even five by the end. Jack, I'll come to you first. I can tell you're angry. A tough 90 minutes on a Twitter account and then straight into this recording. What disappointed you most about that performance? I mean, conceding three goals in the second half is so, so disappointing. And like you just said there, it genuinely could have been more. I think we could have been, we could be sat here now and it could be a five or six nil game. I know we had some chances in the first half, we didn't get them. And then to capitulate like we did in the second half and we're obviously going to put, commit players forward. That's what teams do when they're chasing goals. But we get opened up so easily. It's it's literally impossible to watch Southampton at the moment and have any enjoyment in it because we push forward and then as soon as the other team get the ball it's a throw out from the keeper or one pass cuts out six or seven players and then it's a three on three or a two on two and there seems to be no organisation no leadership within that team and yeah I mean I I genuinely do think we're lucky to be sat here talking about a 3-0 and this can kind of be brushed under the carpet and not be picked up too much about by other, you know, news outlets and things like that, like the 9-0 did. And we can kind of hopefully move on against Everton. But I think it could have been worse. I genuinely do think it could have been a lot worse and we were lucky to escape with three because Leeds did the job on us. Um, obviously, injuries have played a massive part of the season and playing Jan Bednarak at right back, he got exposed as as any good team will do. They'll, they'll, they'll pick out the weak point and Rafinha and Jack Harrison really exposed him on that, on that side. And again, that just emphasises the point what is Jan Valerie doing at Birmingham City? What what's gone on there? Who signed that one off? Because we're playing right backs there. We're playing sorry, we're playing centre backs there. We're playing centre mids there. We're playing attacking midfielders there, and we've got our you know 
right back coming through who's on loan in the championship and not even starting. So sh- shambles on and off the pitch. I think you can tell that I'm not, not best pleased. What did you make of it anyway, Pat? Uh, yeah, I think I think you summed it up pretty well, to be honest. I think the defending was shambolic. I don't think there's any, any other word for it. That first goal, Bamford's goal. I mean, we basically did what Chelsea, uh, the goal that we scored against Chelsea, where they're just wide open and Redmond's pass just kind of split the defence and Minamino put it away. Uh, That was poor defending. And the same happened to us tonight. Um, It wasn't a particularly good pass. It was just in between Bednarak and Vestergaard, who were about 20 yards apart when they should have been much, much closer together. And it's hard for Bednarak, as you said, a centre-back out of position. But he's so far out of position the ball goes through to Bamford and he just sticks it away in the corner. And then all that kind of positive work that we've done in the first half, when we really probably should have gone in at least one goal ahead, um, was undone. And we, we've, we've discussed it so many times, like this team just just collapses under the, the slightest bit of pressure. Um, and it happened again. And it, it could have been a lot more... Um, Ralph said, "I'd actually, sorry, I'd actually put that first goal more on Vestergaard. I think I've think? only seen one or two, one yeah. or two replays, but Bednarak's definitely quite occupied by the winger. I think it's the right centre back's responsibility to deal with the striker who peels onto him, and he gives him so much space. I'd put that more on Yannick. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it's, it's between he drifts in between the two of them, and yeah. and probably you're probably right. It probably isn't more on Vestergaard. So Ralph, after the game, said we gave up. He also said that we lost because Leeds had more energy and they had better one versus one quality." Um, all over the pitch. Uh, Tom, do you buy that as an as an explanation from Ralph? Um, I think, yeah, they definitely gave up, which is probably the most disappointing thing, like you've just spoken about. Um, they had more energy. Like, yeah, I think that seemed to be the case for whatever reason that may be. Um, and then better one-on-one quality. I don't know what he means by that. I suppose, yeah, the first half, Southampton definitely had some chances, like that Vestergaard had uh, the teller when he had a good chance, just outside the box so like instances like that when you create good chances you need the quality to to put them away and then so if that's if he's talking about it in that kind of respect and, and they're them putting away their chances then yeah it, it makes sense but I don't know I don't think that's like the only reason um it goes deeper than that in my opinion yeah exactly I think it's like it, it's a, it's a point that's yeah like you know something you don't take your chances they take your chances but yeah there's so much more to it and but then to be honest I'm a bit of a at a bit of a loss. I know like on the podcast over the past couple of weeks, it's like searching for what's wrong and, you know, what, especially from where something were in November and stuff. And I don't really know. It's just like, mm. what has gone wrong and uh, how is it, how is it so different when, uh, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, That's the question that literally every Southampton fan in the world is asking right now is what, what has happened. And there's obviously outside outside factors like injuries and suspensions that contribute but it contributes to every team but no team is on the slump that we're on if you look at our form it's red 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 loss (laughs) loss loss it's embarrassing and no other team's doing that so yeah yeah. I mean there's no doubt again today or tonight injuries injuries hurting us the Romeo injury it seems like every time we play now at least one first team player limps off injured uh, kind of for me, uh, I'm probably I'm sure there's other examples, but going back to the Villa game where Walcott and Diallo bit, both picked up long-term injuries, Carl Walker-Peters going off against Wolves, Romeo's kind of been in and out of the team due to suspension and injury and again, kind of limping off tonight. Um, and that really was, if not a turning point, it was a key part of the reason why we lost, I think, because Ralph put on Gineppo and obviously we're extremely sh- limited 
options and it will be interesting to see what happens on against Everton on Monday night football um, because there's no chance Romeo making that, I don't think, and Diallo's not going to make that either. So um, Jankovic was on the bench uh, tonight. He went for Gineppo instead. We were obviously chasing the game a little bit at that point, but it just opened us up so much more as well. Um, and that's the catch-22. You can you can put on a winger, um, try and get that goal, but it leaves you exposed and it did and leads on a counter. We're just passing through our press so easily. Um, and, and yeah, by the end, we were just completely out on our feet. Um, do you think, uh, Jack, that there's something to be said for the size of our squad and the way that we play? A few people have mentioned that, that our pressing style... Um, we look like we've run out of steam a little bit. And I guess some, some evidence that would, would kind of back that up, I guess, was the performance that we put in against Chelsea. Um, we sat much deeper there. We were probably, well, we were very fortunate to score a goal against the run of play. Um, but we sat a bit deeper there. And then we put in a, a better second half performance because we had more energy. Whereas when we play our usual way of playing, it seems like over the last couple of months or so, we have better first halves. We get a goal or we get one goal. Um, and then we we kind of collapse in the second half because we're lacking that energy because of because of tiredness. Um, I don't buy into that too much, to be honest with you. Like you said, we had a good first half, and like Tom said, we could have got a goal up. We had some decent chances, and we were the better team for the first twenty minutes, half an hour. We were getting praised on Sky Sports. They were saying they was you know surprised with how we took the game for lead to Leeds, and I think Leeds were quite surprised with the way that we had two strikers up front and the two attacking midfielders. Basically, what we've been successful over the over the Ralph Hasenhutl's tenure, we were doing tonight and it was working well. I don't buy into the fact that it's tiredness. Players get tired all across the league and that's what you know fitness coaches for and these are top-level le- athletes. There is a problem, I think, in terms of the leadership and in terms of the... You know, players dropping their head when things goes when things goes against them. Like you get decisions go against Southampton, and as soon as Shea Adams had that goal disallowed, it just seems like the players, you know, drop a few gears, and it seems to take a massive hit in them. And I'm not surprised to be honest with you, because we've taken so many punches over the recent weeks in terms of VR decisions that the players must feel like they're getting they're absolutely cursed and everything's going against them. But there needs to be someone in that dressing room that takes the game by the scruff of the neck and we go a goal down in the 47th minute or whenever it was from Patrick Bamford. And there's a bit of leadership. And we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago and I think we had a really good conversation about it, where the leadership is in that team. And yeah, I, I again would really question it tonight because like I said before, we fold. We fold really, really easily. So the, the two things that went against us, I guess, in the first half was the penalty. Either of you, Tom, any any complaints with that being overturned? No, I don't think so. I think it did seem, yeah, penalty given, thought we were going to get it. And then obviously the VAR starts to come in. You see the replay and the defender doesn't really fully commit to the tackle. He does kind of hang back out of it and, yeah, tell him or puts his leg into him. So, you kind of knew that it was going to be overturned. So like, yeah, no massive complaints. Don't don't feel massively hard done by, but it's just like, oh, you just want one of those ones to go the other way, basically. It's just like, <laughs> isn't it time for it to go the other way and to get like, to feel a bit lucky with it? Uh, so yeah, I think like on balance, yeah, okay, it gets overturned, but really it's just like, can't we just get a soft one? And kind of that goes for the goal as well, I think. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Think, of, you think of Martial's penalty at Old Trafford yeah. where Jan Benderak was pulling out 
exactly the same yeah. pulling out and and Martial looks for the contact gets the contact wins a penalty and Benarek gets sent off and United fans at that point like Tom said would feel wow we got quite lucky there not really a penalty Southampton win the penalty and it's just our luck it gets over to as soon as as soon as like you see the replay you I immediately thought oh this is like in serious danger of being overturned but you make a great point like we've been in on the reverse of those decisions which doesn't make it any easier um, so I had no real complaints there for me either. Um, on the Che Adams goal, a quickly taken free kick, a good bit of thinking from James Ward-Prowse and he sticks it away. But Andre Mariner for, um, well, for the reason of he hadn't blown his whistle, I don't think. It seemed very, very close. He was in the act of blowing his whistle, certainly. Um, pulls it back and said that, look, um, we, we need to retake it. What were your thoughts on that, Jack? I still haven't got to the bottom of it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I still, I'm really in the dark about that. And if anyone's listening, please let us know what actually happened because I've seen it from a few different angles and it looks like the whistle's at his mouth. And at the time, I thought I heard a whistle as he played the ball. So those two things suggest to me that he did blow the whistle, whether it was a split second after James Will Prowse played the ball. I mean, I may be saying this because we're off the back of a 3-0 defeat and I'm a bit pissed off, but I think it was a mistake to keep blowing and say, no, stop, 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 stop. Mm-hmm. When a Santon player's in and he's, you should be able to get that advantage if you're if you're t- taking the initiative and these players aren't set up and the chances on you should be able to do that. I think I think it was a mistake yeah. from the referee. It looked to me like he was, he kind of, um, he turned his back on the play as well. Like they showed it a couple of times on the coverage here. Like he'd given the free kick, he was kind of jogging over to get in position. He turned his back, turned around, had the whistle to his mouth. Um, and then as he was blowing it, we took it. And maybe it was a split second before that, that for whatever reason, rather than give the advantage to us, he took the safer approach because probably Leeds would have gone mental if that goal would have been allowed to stand. But he took the safer approach of, no, 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 no. I blew my whistle. Let's do it again. Um, so I think he was covering his own arse a little bit there in terms of in terms of that decision. But again, it's another one that's not gone in our favour and it's just like, please, one of these times, can we get one? At the same time, I have absolutely zero confidence in us going in. If that goal had stood, going in at halftime 1-0, being able to see out the game. <laughs> um, I thought been- you were going to say zero confidance of us from the spot because I think we were probably blazed that over the bar. Of that oh, actually- on the penalty, yeah. Oh, on the penalty, oh, yeah. sorry, on the penalty. But yeah, I think... Yeah, it sounds happy. Yeah, anyway. Even luck, if we got one up, I think the way, that, the way that we played in the second half, and the goal would have changed the game, obviously. Um, but we've seen Southampton play countless times now from winning positions and, and throw, it, throw it away. So um, disappointing, obviously. Um, but I don't think it would have been any guarantee of us coming away from there with three points. Um, I threw it out after the game on Twitter uh, just to get some of our... Um, followers reaction to it uh, and if you don't follow us what the hell are you doing uh, not seen a worse decision since Andre Mariner ruled out actually goal um, we're closing in on a thousand followers actually so much appreciated if you can get on board I threw out there what's the number one reason we're, we're in this shocking run of form and I got loads of different responses so going to go through a couple of them um, uh, and discuss what, what we think um, the number one reason is I think it's, it's difficult to boil it down to one um, but for the sake of the characters that's what that's what I asked you guys to do so Daniel Cowan said no squad depth as the number one reason nothing can be done until the summer about that so fingers crossed we don't slip further Chicago Saints fan says a mix of confidence and just have not having enough quality in finishing plenty of times we move the ball wonderfully up the pitch then get to the opposition box and just make a mess of it uh, Dave Robinson said as usual running out of steam in the second half threadbare squad Losing Romeo and replacing him with Gineppo was asking for trouble. 
Um, of those ones, there's more actually. So Alan Weaver says, inability to convert a fraction of our chances for one leaves us exposed on the counter-attack. We need someone to organise us. I don't see anybody taking control and directing us on the pitch. So I'd start there, give Vestergaard the armband and get him more vocal. I can hear Ralph on the touchline, but none of our players. Good organisation is essential. And that's an interesting one to discuss because <laughs> it's a bold shout. James Ward-Prowse is our captain. He's one of our best players. He's probably the source of our most dangerous attacks when we're talking about set pieces. Does there is a, there is a question to be asked about leadership that, that goes to Ralph, but it also goes to the captain as well. What do you think about that, Jack, in terms of potentially swapping up the captaincy and getting a few more, well, getting Vestergaard in there? Do you think that's any kind of solution to what we're going through at the moment? Well, first, I'd just like to say there's some great points coming from from the listeners there. And I found myself nodding at a few of them because I think a lot of them were, were on the mark. Um, we spoke about leadership again, week in, week out recently, and it is a massive point. Um, and like you said, you look at the manager and you look at the captain. So maybe maybe there is something in that. And Yannick Vestergaard does, well, the game today, I think he did look like one of the few players that was trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think he you know, was making a few mistakes, but if anyone was going to create something and if anyone was going to do something, it was coming from him. So, you know, you can, no one too, no one knows too much about what the, these players are like in the dressing room, but on the face of it, he looks like a natural leader and he looks like someone that could lead this squad. So I do think there's something in that. And I think essentially I think change is needed with this team and you know a lot of people call for players to be dropped and call for change out of you know quite flippantly and out of nowhere but I think this squad desperately does need some fresh faces and some fresh impetus and fresh views so you know a change of leadership Walprowse has been one of our best players this season but the armband doesn't suit every single player um, so again something that potentially could be explored yeah um, that would be a huge call I, I wouldn't expect that and I'm not really one of those I don't, I'm not one of those people that really subscribes to the fact that the way that you get out of a, a bad run of form is like you need to show more passion or you need, you just need to fight harder I mean ultimately there's a lot more that goes into a game of football than just wanting it more than your opponent and, and, and often that's just used as a pretty basic way of describing why things are going wrong when the problems run much deeper and I, and I think they do run much deeper for us because We've talked about the tactics and players missing and, and potentially not suiting the way that we play. And I think that's ultimately um, a bigger reason. But there's no doubt that a factor in the reason why we throw points away from winning positions so often can be explained by the fact that I think we do lack a little bit of leadership um, in those in those moments. And we lack a little bit of experience and we have a and we have a very small squad and all of those things kind of combine to, to make it difficult for us. Um, another one here from, from Greg Small says the mentality is the number one issue. Um, if something goes against us, the squad can't deal with it and they lose focus. And again, that's something that we've, we've, we've discussed already. Um, other points to mention, Everton up next. It looks like, as, as I said, Romeo is going to be out. Diallo is going to be out. Does that mean Jankovic comes in then on, on Monday night? Um, and if so... Should we be going into that game? Tom, are you going into that game with any sort of thought of getting any kind of positive result at all? Or is it really kind of like it's going to be a long 90 minutes? Uh, yeah, at the moment, it's feeling like it might be a long 90 minutes, but hopefully I'll be a bit more optimistic by uh, next week. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yankovic's coming back in, see what he does this time. Hopefully, see a bit more of him, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hopefully, that's he can the last dream. Longer, longer than 90 seconds. Yeah, that is, that is the dream. I think. I'm sorry, Pat, just to go back onto the previous point, just listen to what you're saying there. All these opinions about what's going on at the moment, I've just had a time just to just to think about it a little bit more. And I think what we spoke about a few weeks ago is the is the crux of it for me. We have played some amazing football under Ralph Hasnoodle, and with this group of players, we've been absolutely brilliant. I think the knock of the confidence and a few players missing has had a catastrophic effect on the team because of the fact that the way we play relies on confidence. And I think that's the key point. And you did a thread on it recently. And I think that is the crux of the issue, essentially. I don't think we need to have wholesale changes across the board, but I think there needs to be slight tweaks to try and build that confidence up again, because at the moment it is at rock, rock bottom. Yeah. I mean, we had that reset after the the first 9-0 um, that ultimately came when we had that international break and then we, we picked up a point at, at Arsenal and then went on a decent run. Um, we're still waiting for any kind of reset after the Man United 9-0. I mean, just the results, really awful loss at Newcastle. Um, disappointing result against Wolves, having been 1-0 up, uh, dropping points against Chelsea, although ultimately that was a positive, positive point. And then tonight, um, we haven't responded at all. And I think part of that can be because we really haven't had much time on the training ground. Um, that international break last season came at the perfect time for us. And instead, after the United game, we've been playing two games a week pretty much every week since then. Um, so the fact that we're playing on Monday um, is is good for us, but the games aren't stopping. Uh, we've got... Sheffield United, five days after that. Four days after that, we go to the Etihad. Three days later, we host Brighton. So, I mean, there really is like no opportunity at all, really, for us to get the players on the training ground and for us to change it drastically. So, it's for me, I look at the fixture list and I'm like, how how really are we going to change it? Because there's no time to do that, um, to get that right. Because you do need a week, two weeks to get the players um, together and, and to get them playing that you want the way that you want to play. So yeah. um, it's going to be tricky. Another thing that we wanted to mention before we finish up was was Danny Ings. His performance, he was dropped. Well, he wasn't dropped. I mean, I think he was rested. So we went with Adams and Redmond up front. Um, thoughts on that decision from Ralph? And then when he came on, chasing the game, he's he's just not quite looking himself, is he? No, he's not. He's not. And like Ralph's made quite a few changes with the forward line recently because we haven't been scoring. Shea Adams again, so unlucky not to get a goal. I don't think we'll ever see him score again. But <laughs> I just, yeah, Danny Ings hasn't hasn't looked the same recently, has he? I think that's a fact. He's got he's obviously got that that quality finish in him, and he, we've shown that in the odd game. But his general play over the last few weeks and months hasn't been up to the the standard that we've that we've seen of Danny Ings over the years but I'm um, sorry over the last few seasons but I just think looking at the table now I don't know what your guys thoughts on it are a lot of Southampton fans I read are saying that it's a good thing that we've got on the amount of points that that we have on on the board at the moment but I saw a tweet from Tom Murray just after the game saying that we had more points after 25 games last season than we did it this season 
and that I couldn't believe that because I thought we were absolutely shocking last season. We had more points after 25 games last season. Fulham looked like the only real team that could potentially come out of that relegation zone. They're on 22 points at the moment. Mm. They've got Palace before we play on Monday night, an easily winnable game, easily winnable game. That could close the gap to five points. I really don't think we're out of any kind of relegation trouble. The bottom two are the bottom two, and I think they'll stay there. But Fulham are showing a bit of fight. And if they beat Palace and it goes to five points and then we lose against Everton, which is looking like a bit of a formality at the moment, then that Sheffield United game's massive. And who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? We we would have just thought that this season's kind of petering now and it's all in the FA Cup. But I genuinely do think that if we don't sort this out, we're sleepwalking ourselves into a relegation fight. The gap, the gap to Fulham at one point was 18 points. And obviously mm. in that point, there was absolutely no danger of relegation. We have just gone on a run where we've picked up one point from a possible 21. Um, so when that happens, you're going to... And the way that Fulham have been playing, you know, they have picked up some positive results. That Sheffield United game is huge because after that, we obviously go to the Etihad. Um, not exactly a place where we could expect to get anything. Um, but looking at the fixture list, obviously... We hope that we can get results against Everton and certainly against Sheffield United, that even one win changes the complexion of it significantly. But we'd still be depending on Fulham's results. Um, and to be honest, I was texting you the other day, Jack, when they beat Sheffield United and they had, they had another win, I can't remember, against Sue. And it's like, oh, they played Burnley and they, they drew. Ultimately, I was delighted when Burnley equalised because you don't want... All of a sudden, we've gone from being 18 points clear of them to looking out... For, or I've gone from being completely confident in the fact that we're still going to be in the Premier League to looking out for Fulham's results. Like, that's how bad we've been <laughs> and that's yeah. how desperate it's got. Like, that should never have been the case. Um, I don't think we're in uh, any, like, we're not in any desperate danger now, but it could so so quickly get to that point, um, which is why the Sheffield United game is huge. But the key run ultimately, and I think the where it will be decided whether we're 10, 15 points clear of relegation at the end of the season or whether we're looking over our shoulder in the final few games is the run after the Man City game. Because after City, um, on March 13th, so what's that, three weeks' time, we host Brighton. We then have a two-week break before playing... Well, actually, sorry, we've got the FA Cup game, but then we've got uh, a two-week break before playing Burnley at home. So the two league games are Brighton at home, Burnley at home, then West Brom away, then Palace at home. So they're four, four huge games there. Um, and if we say that we're unlikely to beat Everton, um, we certainly need three points against Sheffield United just to give us that breathing space for when we come to that run. Otherwise, we could be looking at the Brighton home game being three, four points clear of Fulham. And all of a sudden that, that becomes like panic stations, doesn't it really? It does. For those games. Um, Tom, on a, on a, on a scale from... Uh, one to ten. How concerned are you about relegation at this point? At this point, um, it's creeping up definitely. Yeah, like you say, it wasn't even considered uh, before. Now, now, yeah, it's rapidly creeping up. So, what Three point am I? Midnight. Yeah, maybe, maybe like six and seven. It's getting up there towards at the moment. I think, like you said, I was looking at the fixtures and it was, yeah, just like you said, the next couple. Got to get through them, Sheffield United on must win, but then it's a very important string of games. Yeah. And yeah, you're looking forward to them. You know, you want to be playing these games because you want to pick up the points. But at the moment, also, it's kind of like, 
don't know, on the run of form you're on going to those games, you start losing these games and it's absolutely, it's a disaster. And that's it, when you are thinking, okay, we're going to get relegated. If, if the form carries on into into that, into those, into Brighton, Burnley, it's just, it's yeah, going it, to be ugly. Then it's up at a 10, yeah. It is, it is. And I think that the, the longer it does go on, I'm fully on, you know, backing Ralph Hasner at this point. And I fully believe he's the, he's the right man for the job. Um, and I don't buy into anyone saying that we could we should change it at the moment. But the longer this goes on and the longer the gap closes to the relegation zone, the more those kind of thoughts among the fans will get stronger and stronger and the club might make a decision where they go, something needs to change here. Mm-hmm. And the, the more and more injuries we pick up, the likelihood of the fact that I'm going to pick up my Saints debut <laughs> gets higher and higher because I think... <laughs> you fancy yourself well, in centre mid? Honestly, I think I do a job in there. I actually think I do a job. I mean, Romeo coming off for Musa Gineppo is the furthest from a like-for-like substitution you'll ever <laughs> see in the Premier League. So whack me on in sentiment. I think I would have tried to fill that fill that void a little bit more than a than a fifteen kg winger. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, anyway, let's be a bit more positive going into to uh, to Everton. I can't be positive, man. At this point, I honestly can't. Um, all right. Well, then the final thing to say just is um, check out our newsletter for more doom and gloom saints content um, that will be dropping on Thursday morning into your inbox. Um, so you can, you can sign up for that. Uh, the link is on our Twitter page or on Instagram. Um, it's our thoughts are kind of off cut from what didn't make the podcast goes into the newsletter and a few other bits and pieces from around the football world. So give that a check, check it out. Um, Twitter and Instagram uh, and yeah, gents, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and we'll catch up after the Everton game. Cheers, lads. Sounds good. Cheers. Cheers.